Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I'm Jeremy Pinch, and I have Pastor Rick Whitmer and Pastor John in the room with me. It's good to see you guys. Am I Pastor John Whitmer, or what? Pastor John Whitmer. Wow. Schubert. Um, John Huns. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Whoever I am. <laughs> yes, uh, we got coffee. And we're ready to talk about the church. Uh, last again. again, yeah, part two of of the church. Uh, I know we had a few people come up to us and talk to us about uh, the podcast last week and how it was encouraging to them. So I'm excited to continue this discussion today. Uh, but we're going to jump off from where we landed last week, which was talking about spiritual gifts in the church. Um, uh, when people talk about spiritual gifts, more often than not, they think about the miraculous things that, that take place. Uh, would you guys take a few moments just to talk through w- w- the two different kinds of spiritual gifts? Well, there's a whole, I, I think two different categories because there's a whole categories. bunch of kinds, right? Sure. sure. Um, the, the categories, of course, are the miraculous gifts of the Spirit. And the others are the service gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit that are miraculous, um, we believe and teach that uh, those gifts ended in the apostolic age. In other words, the the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecies uh, ended with the apostles because those gifts were given by God as what they call signs or sign gifts to affirm, confirm the gospel message was from God. And so the apostle would use different kinds of miraculous signs to confirm that their message was from God. And so they would raise some guy from the dead. They would heal some uh, crippled man or give some guy uh, his eyesight back. And a crowd would immediately gather, and and they would basically begin their sermon by saying, why does this surprise you? And then they would go forth and preach the gospel message. And so once, once what we believe is that once um, Scripture was complete and the revelation complete in the New Testament, that there was no more need to confirm or affirm that their message was, uh, their extraordinary message was from God. It was complete. It was confirmed in Scripture from that point on. There was no need for the apostles or anybody else for that matter, to continue to raise people from the dead, to restore eyesight and, you know, useful limbs, etc. Okay. And so the rest of the gifts are, are gifts for mutual ministry in the church, the building up one another's, the equipping of the saints, the, the preaching, teaching, exhortation ministries of the body of Christ. Okay. So does that mean that God can't heal people or restore sight, that There's, kind of stuff? The only thing God can't do is lie, according to Scripture. Okay. He, he can't sin, can't lie, he can't do those kind of things. Beyond that, he can do what he wants, and he does. Yeah. He, he raises people from the dead, right? Jesus was one of them. Um, the, his power was at work in those who raised others from the dead, Eutychus, for example, in the New Testament. But today, people that are healed like from cancer, um, God is behind that. They're healed by the, by the mercy and power of God. 
So yes, God continues his miraculous dealings with mankind, um, but there is no gift of such things. And one easy way to demonstrate this is if you're gifted with the, with the supernatural gift of healing, you ought to be in the hospitals yeah. healing people. But they're not because that gift no longer exists. In in the apostles' day, they would walk around the city and heal people. I mean, that's what you know. That's recorded in the Book of Acts, right? Often, right? So, right. You're about ready to say something. Am I? Pastor Rick, it looked like it. I was saying, well, okay. What were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's there's the passage that comes to mind when I think about this subject of the miraculous gifts and, and you know, like John says, we're talking about tongues and interpretation of tongues, um, miracles, healing, and predictive prophecies, things that we see operative during the first century of the church, um, only for, you know, a period of time, because as even the, the progressive revelation unfolded in the first century, you know, where, where does Paul talk about, those gifts in particular. He talks about them largely in 1 Corinthians, mm-hmm. um, which I think is one of his earlier letters. Mm-hmm. And as later revelation is coming into, you know, in, is being delivered by God through the apostles, it really isn't, that's not normative for the church. Mm-hmm. Even even for the apostles that were alive at that time. Right. That, mm-hmm. that was fading out. And 1 Corinthians 13 talks about that. Um, and then in Hebrews, he comes out right there and says that he, he's talking about the old covenant and says that this message, which was declared by angels, proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. And so looking at that, he goes, then how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And then speaking of the salvation, he says it was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, distributed according to his will. Mm-hmm. So right there, the function of these miraculous signs at the hands of those who heard the message of salvation um, is so that that message would be established. And the establishment of that message is here in the scriptures. Um, church history bears that out, that that was not part of the history of the church in any normative way at all, even though, of course, there were factions here or there scattered about church history. But when we're talking about miracles, and of course God does things that are miraculous, but I think oftentimes people are too quick to use the term miracle to talk about something that actually isn't a miracle. Hmm. A miracle is a supernatural intrusion on the laws of nature that God himself established so that something extraordinary happens. Mm. It's so easy. I mean, it's so common to hear today, oh, something miraculous happened. God did this. And it's like, well, it's awesome that God did that. That that wasn't a miracle. That wasn't a biblical miracle. Biblical miracles throughout scripture are far and away the exception and not the norm. And we see them clustered at three particular points in redemptive history. This is not... Christians are not going around experiencing miracles much at all. Um, and it's not and it wasn't because... that common in the Old Testament either. Exactly, right? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, you pretty much only see it in Israel's long history at the time of the Exodus and the conquest and at the time of Elijah and Elisha. Okay. And so we just need to be... And the time of the apostles. Yeah. Right. Time to, we need to be clear about what we're talking about when we use terms today that are scriptural and then apply them to our current context. And so we're not talking about God's ability to do anything or that he's less powerful. We're simply asking, what does Scripture present as the normal Christian life? 
Right. And spiritual gifts is very much a part of that, but not just not this particular subset. Yeah, and, and that verse you read from uh, Hebrews 2 is speaking in the past tense verbs. Yeah. This is what God did. Yeah. And I think that's significant. And if you look through the book of Acts, you can also see that progression. At mm-hmm. the beginning of the book of Acts, there's miracle, miracle, miracle. Halfway through the book of Acts, very few. End of Acts, no miracles yeah. recorded. What's going on there? Well, the first century is going on. The Bible was being complete. It was, it was over. It was, I mean, in terms of revelation. Right. And there was no more need for those kind of miraculous displays to confirm the scriptures yeah. that were actively being written at that yeah. time. Yeah. So, so I think people who uh, would lean in this direction would say that this is, you know, these signs and miracles um, are are proof that their faith is genuine or real or whatever. And I think Peter would have something else to say to that, wouldn't he? Well, I, I haven't talked to well, him lately. But, oh, well. um, nope. <laughs> I'm trying to find the passage. Second um, Peter chapter one. Yeah. Um, is that is that passage that I'm referring to? If I can get there. Oh, the, the transfiguration thing. Oh, you mean the apostle Peter? The apostle, oh, the apostle. Gotcha. Oh. Peter, Peter. Oh, yes. Let me so my realm directory in, down here. In chapter one of of Second Peter, he's he's referencing back to his time on mm-hmm. the Mount of Transfiguration, and saying, you know, hey, we saw Jesus in all of his glory. Uh, he says, for we did not know cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention to, as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Something more sure than a miraculous appearing? Yeah. Yeah. Is the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. Peter said that. That's crazy. Wow. And he did some miracles. He did some what miracles in the some? first, you know, in the first couple chapters of Acts, way. right? Mm-hmm. That right. were pretty significant, right? Yeah. So we do have we do have these uh, these gifts now, uh, which we would call in our statement of faith the ministering gifts uh, that helps edify the believers. Mm-hmm. What what is what does that mean? What are these what are these gifts that we're talking about? All the other ones. Yeah. The other gifts, Jeremy. Yeah, if it's not tongues, interpretation, healing, miracles, and predictive prophecy, um, then you're you're in the other category. Oh, so you know that's actually a pretty handy way to break it down. That is an art. It's it's not something you're going to see mentioned in the New Testament, but like much of theology, it's a faithful synthesis of what the New Testament teaches. Um, which is there's these sign gifts, and they're called sign gifts for a reason. It's because they're like a sign pointing to something else, in this case, the authenticity of the message. But then there's serving gifts, which are the emphasis is on um, ongoing building up of the church. Okay, And the way that Peter talks about it in his first epistle is he says uh, in chapter 4 and verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another 
as good stewards of God's varied grace. Mm -hmm. So God gives his grace to every single one of his children in various ways. It's a varied grace, and each person has a gift. And um, MacArthur's talked about this in his commentary on 1 Peter 4 in a really helpful way that's always stuck with me. He, he, you know, we look at those gift lists in the New Testament and, and then make up these, you know, long spiritual gift inventories so that you can, you know, quote, identify your gift or two, maybe your top two. But what Peter's saying is you actually have a gift and it's not that you have the gift of, you know, preaching or you have the gift of exhortation. It's a gift that's combined by different shades of various gifts. Mm -hmm. There may be like a painter with a palette mixing colors. Those colors are each gifts. And then God mixes for you what he knows you're going to need to serve your church and what every church needs That's what it. what specific gifts the church needs to fulfill the call and mandate mm-hmm. to be Christ in that community yep and so god is faithful to um give those gifts to that body so that they can function appropriately yeah and the gifts i think you kind of refer to this rick but there there is no standard list of spiritual gifts that that can be found there's like three places where each of those lists is different. Mm-hmm. And I think the point is there's a broad spectrum of spiritual gifting going on in the New Testament and currently that are useful for God. But certain things like like natural talents are, we could say, are gifts, but they're not spiritual gifts, right? right? Sure. Like the, the talent of carrying a tune. I've heard some people say, I, my gift is singing. Well, that's not a spiritual gift. Sure. And I think Paul makes that clear sure. in the New Testament, as does, as does Peter. Yeah. And so you, you, there's, I think you need to stay within the boundaries when you're talking about spiritual gifts. And natural talents isn't one of those. Sure. It's, it's not on the list. It's not part of the spiritual gifting that God, it's a natural talent. Because a non-Christian <laughs> has a beautiful singing voice. Right. That's not a spiritual gift. It's not a spiritual gift in the church. It's a gift to the church. It's not a spiritual gift. Correct. And I think yeah. we need to make that distinction. Yeah. Yeah, those are arrangements of providence, God's providence. He providentially gives to each person their unique makeup, right? And there there may be an intersection where he providentially ordains someone to have natural talents that are then, they intersect with the spiritual gift they've been given to really just make it pop, you know, and grow and develop. Um, so, for example, John has a gift of what we would call non-predictive prophecies. He has a, his spiritual gift has a heavy amount of declaring the truth of God, from the word in a way that's clear and understandable. Okay, that's an ongoing gift to serve the church. Right. Well, he has a providential ability to project, and he has an ability to speak things that if he didn't have those natural abilities, he could not exercise this other gift. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's kind of an intersection, but we, you know, we can't confuse him like John's saying. Right. But I do want to make one clarification. I do also have somewhat of a predictive prophecy gift. Yeah. Like, like this podcast is just about to end, you know, things like that. You know, I'm just saying. Um, Debatable. I have have a spiritual gift of debate and um, I'm not so sure. So if prophecies didn't come true in the Old Testament, what do they do with... Stone them! So if Another gift if, I have. If John's if John's not preaching on Sunday, you know why. Well, no, it's I mean it's those were the original stoners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was a, a specific cultural subcultural group in my high school. Yeah. Um, but they were around 
you know, in, in Aiken's day. And now it's just <laughs> and now it's just a legal group, and everybody's doing it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but not at this church. Uh, so, so <laughs> uh, somebody might say, "Well, I have the gift of serving, or I have the gift of giving my tithes." Um, and they may just stop there and say, well, I'm, I'm done. How would you, how would you respond to somebody who just says, well, I give to the church and that's all I, that's my, that's my, my role. That's my role. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would say if you're, you know, 90 years old and can't get out of bed, then that still wouldn't be true. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> because, uh, a person who's 90 and can't get out of bed can do more than, you know, push a send button on yeah. their bank account. Mm-hmm. Right. They can pray for the body. Yeah. They can send encouraging notes to the body. If you can push a send button on your computer, you can write an email or a text message. And you, you can exercise the the things that church needs done, Christians need doing, uh, that goes beyond any specific spiritual gifting that you have. And I think one of the reasons that, that the spiritual gifts aren't so defined in the New Testament in terms of, of one, one per one, like I'm this, you're that, is because we have responsibilities to fulfill the needs of the church. We have responsibilities to fulfill the needs of the brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. You can't, well, you can say it, but it's not true. My gift is giving, and that's it, even though my neighbor needs help. Yeah. That, that's not how the body of Christ works. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important to keep in mind. And yeah. It's through the normal life of the church that gifts are discovered. And you know, there's a specific reason why we don't, get an exhaustive look at what our own gift makeup is. Um, like I can already tell in, in my daughter McKinley, um, who is a believer that she has, um, a real gift for serving and encouragement. Her spiritual gift is, you know, leans heavily in those things. Um, and that's not because she went out looking. Um, I'm not sure she really understands the concept of spiritual gifts, but she has just been about the business of doing life. And as she wants to express her love for God and others, that has just come out in, in the church. That's mostly how people's gifts are identified, mm-hmm. is other believers in the body who are seeing that service and ministry, then calling it out. And, 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 and that, cool. Rick, mixed with a God-given desire. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So God gives you a desire to do certain things like, teach, mm-hmm. um, whatever. And when you teach, if your gift is teaching, it will have fruit. It will produce fruit mm-hmm. and have an effect and you'll receive encouragement. Mm-hmm. So those two things come together, our desires and God's gifting, and they're confirmed in the church, mm-hmm. which is what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's kind of the triangle right there Yeah, of how it works. So if somebody claims to know Christ says they're a follower of Christ, but they're not serving in the church, how would you respond to them? Um, well, there's, there's that, there's a few things that need to be talked about when you, when you, when you say that, because it's, it's a, lar- a broad category, a large category. Uh, when you say serving in the church, some people would mistake that to mean in the church building. Sure. Like on a roster. Like a ministry like roster. I, yeah, I'm on the nursery ministry roster, so I'm serving in the church. Yeah. What about the person who's who's preaching at the jail? What about the person who's serving dinner at the mission? Or who's sharing the gospel with their neighbor? 
or who is or is who me, who's meeting needs in the church that we never even know that they're doing. Yeah. So ministering so, to the elderly in our own body that no one knows about. Would there be would there be a difference of service inside and outside the church? Would you say? Like serving on a Sunday in God's morning, eyes or in our eyes? Just in, in in how we're how we're thinking about this now. Like you know the people that are serving down at the Union Gospel Mission, serving their neighbors, all those oh, okay. things which are which are good. Um, but is there a difference between that type of service in the body of Christ to the type of service that takes place on a Sunday? Depends on if we have empty slots that need filling. I think so. <laughs> I, I, you're, I think, you're, but there's, there's some truth to that. Yeah. I think we meet needs within the body of Christ, mm-hmm. and uh, although everybody can't meet every need, uh, there is that's the place to start when you're thinking about fulfilling, you know, God's call in your life. What needs to be done around here? Yeah. Which is far more of an important question than, and yeah, that's not really my gifting. Yeah. Uh, not really my gifting is a very <sighs> poor response to a request for help. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, and, I, and, or I'll pray about it. Yeah. Not that you shouldn't pray. I'll pray about it and then never pray about it and say, oh, yeah, I, I don't feel that that's my, that's my area of yeah. ministry. Right. Uh, so to answer your question specifically, I would say that the the ministry outside the church is just as valid as ministry inside the church building. Sure. A person is in the church whether they're not whether or not they're in the building. Like if you're a Christian, you're in the church. You're part of the church, right? And and that ministry functions obviously outside these four walls. Mm-hmm. It's got to. Mm-hmm. What are the one another's? I mean, we don't have a one another's class where we get together and say, What's your need right now? I'll meet it right here, right now. Sure. Sure. No, we 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 exercise normal life with each other in the body of Christ, and when someone has a need, we meet that need through the ministry of the saints. And it could include, and most of the time does include, activity outside this building. Yeah. And so, yes, it, it is valid. I would say extremely valid mm-hmm. to be serving outside the church. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would say that takes more commitment than holding an offering plate or changing a diaper or whatever else is done in our church is called ministry. I mean, to, to actually go over to, to somebody's house and minister to their need, whether that be emotional, spiritual, physical, is much, sometimes, and most of the time, much more of a commitment than anything we do on Sunday morning in this building. Yeah. And brings glory to God. So our, our gifts that are given to us should be used sacrificially. Inside and outside the church. Yes, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. And some, but some people do have, you know, a generous spirit given to them, and they have the wherewithal to make that happen. And here, here's another thing I think needs to come up: if you have an ability to do something and don't do it, that's a problem. That's yeah. a pro- a spiritual problem in your life. If you have the ability to meet the needs of people in your community, in your church, uh, whether that be uh, a spiritual need, a physical need, an emotional need, and you don't do it and use the excuse, that's not my spiritual gift, we got a problem. Hmm. I shouldn't say we. I would say you have got a problem. Hmm. <laughs> right? That That is the very thing that, that Jesus said about <laughs> his neighbor when he was giving the description of who's your neighbor. Yeah. It's the person in need. Yeah. And, you know, you meet those needs. Yeah. yeah. Every way you can. So, 
Yeah. I think it says in Galatians 6, you know, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, um, especially to those of the household of faith. And that's, you know, I think what John's really hitting on is God's God is the one who providentially orders our opportunities and our abilities. Um, the question is not, you know, if we're going to, it's where can we, right? So as we have opportunity, let us do good. So that's really important, you know, and I think where, where the spiritual gifting mentality gets into it, um, where that's more capitalized on, um, it's not that it's unimportant, but it's that, you know, it, we, it can easily detract from what God is actually calling us to. Yeah. Yeah. So moving forward uh, in our discussion here of the church, uh, our our statement of faith regarding this section uh, finishes with the two ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, our Catholic friends, uh, Roman Catholic friends, um, believe in seven ordinances. I don't know them off the top of my head. Um, I know two, baptism and communion. Or the Eucharist, um, I don't know the other marriage, part. marriage, marriage, uh, confes- confessionals, um, confession of sin, uh, last rites, last rites. Is that still one? Did yeah, two more. I don't know. Um, number six and number seven. Number six and number seven. You can Google that. But why don't we have seven ordinances? Why do we only have the Lord's Supper and uh, baptism? Because they are called ordinances of the Lord. All right? So Jesus ordained them. <laughs> they okay. came from his lips. Okay. He ordained baptism and the Lord's Supper. And none of the other five. None of the other five. He did not ordain marriage. I mean, he did in, <laughs> in, in Adam's days. But as a, as a sacrament? No. A means For of the grace? church? No. The, the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. Uh, and bap- I mean, uh, matrimony was invented by God, obviously, but it was not ordained by Christ for the church. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's the, the reason we have two sacraments, two ordinances is because Christ ordained two: mm-hmm. baptism and the Lord's Supper. Not anointing the sick, holy orders, marriage, you, uh, confession, confirmation. Which are the other? Five. I love the Google. Yeah, Google's my. Well, I asked you this morning. You were going to looking up a passage, and you took the time to open your Logos. So I go straight to Google. Yeah, I can type in whatever phrase from the Bible I can remember in part, and yeah. Google tells me in whole yeah. where, where it is. It's my favorite concordance. <laughs> my thumbs are too fat for yeah. <laughs> phone initiated Google. Own it in, man. I have a suggestion. Okay. That we spend the whole next podcast talking about the two sacraments. Because it's such a rich subject. Well, you're just trying to fulfill my prophecy that this time. podcast is going to end real soon. Yeah, can't afford my well, boss to was, be stoned yet. That was 20 minutes ago, John. So, well, it's relative term. Soon. <laughs> Have you seen Inception? <laughs> or uh, no, 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 Interstellar. Time Interstellar. is relative. It is. Did you learn nothing from Einstein? That's such a good movie. We could we could spend a whole podcast talking about that. Well, maybe we should. The theology (laughs) of time relativity and its impact on the six day creation. Yeah. There's actually a book about that. So seriously, anyways, can we go? Can we do the other two? Yeah, let's do it. Next week. We will uh, we'll jump into the two ordinances next week. Church, we love you. We'll see you Sunday and next Wednesday on the Voice of the Valley. Is that a prophecy? That's a prophecy. Mm